Hello and welcome to Cinemondo Explores Star Trek with Kathy, Mark, and Burke. Today's episode, Shore Leave, Stardate 3025.3. Mm. That seems like further into Point the future, three. doesn't it? 3025.3. It's the actual air date, which is kind of interesting, was December 29th, 1966. This was kind of the Christmas episode. Aww. <laughs> so it was a little lighthearted. A little more, a little more lighthearted. Holiday it is feeling. light. Yeah. yeah Everybody uh, wants something positive, sort of. It's the uh, one that used to bother me when I was a kid watching it because it had a few elements in it that were kind of funny. And it had that music that always denoted okay this is a humorous section you know that dun, 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 dun. And well that music oh. that music's by gerald Fr- gerald freed who yeah did all the gilligan's island music yeah, i mean it's it totally uh, this is like you know star trek on uh, gilligan's island it kind it of is. is like a star trek gilligan's island episode <laughs> they were all kind of trapped with a bunch of random shit yep that is funny. And I think Bones was like uh, was like the professor. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was exploring, checking things out. Or maybe well, he was Gilligan, you know, when he, he when he pro- sees the rabbit, he goes, Skipper! <laughs> and then the women, of course, were always just trying to look good. Right. <laughs> Putting on little gowns and being sexy. Well, this one was written by a really good science fiction writer, like a real serious, literate, you know, respected science fiction writer named Theodore oh, Sturgeon. And... Uh, <laughs> No, it's. I mean, the basic story is interesting. You know, it just needs a time off, you know. <laughs> well, back when this happened, you know, it was. We're used to these kind of stories now, where there's virtual, kind of like virtual worlds, or or worlds created from your memories, or worlds that are sort of created in your mind, or whatever. Those are kind of sort of common now, like a video game. It's almost like a video game in a way. But it was made. This episode was made way before video games, right? So, the idea of artificial artificial worlds was still kind of fresh in 1966 but really quickly the story is that the crew beams down to this planet that's got you know great oxygen and gravity and all these things very earth-like and they beam down and it's really beautiful it looks just like a park like just out of, outside of los angeles or something it definitely was los angeles somewhere off the 14 it looked yeah. like echo park <laughs> sir this <laughs> looks just dirt, like a, some dirt a rocks on the <laughs> like maybe vasquez rocks is nearby or something but it's but it was uh, it, the story basically is they beam down to this beautiful planet and they're all just you know they've been on they've been working for so long and they need a break so they decide to do a shore leave they decide to give the whole crew some time off but the you know the, a few of them want to go down there and check it out first and then they start seeing things there's things start happening and you start realizing as you're you're watching it you realize along with the characters that the things that they're seeing the like hallucinations that they're seeing are based on things that they said like McCoy says wow I feel like I've entered into the you know the the looking glass with Alice you know or whatever he says I can't remember the line but then Alice, in Wonderland, Alice yeah. in Wonderland idea but and then a, a you know a little bit later he sees the the rabbit running along I'm late I'm late and then the little girl comes up and says excuse me sir the um, the obviously American actress young actress <laughs> terrible accent doing a terrible British accent <laughs> <It's really bad. laughs> it'd be like me doing it it wasn't <laughs> then she Let's chases the rabbit no no we must not hear it <laughs> see very good <laughs> follow me have you seen a rabbit <laughs> excuse me sir <laughs> have you seen some my... more please we have some more please <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
tally ho, pip pip. But then the um, but then bloody rabbit. She, <laughs> where's that rabbit? But then she disappears into the hedge, you know. And then he's McCoy is like Sulu, and <laughs> and they start realizing that there's weirdness afoot on this planet. And then you know more people, a couple more people beam down, and and uh, they see other kinds of things. And then they start figuring out that there's something really weird going on. Right, something underneath. Like we we see these rabbit ears come up that's somehow attached to the camera. You know. Can- <laughs> <laughs> right, like an an, you mean rabbit ears like antenna, not like the the rabbit. Yeah, from, yeah, sorry, uh, like like uh, like old school antennas. Yeah, yeah. yeah remember, there is a rabbit in this. I know. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, so you see this like, oh, there's something underground, some sort of uh, you know a mechanization going on here where they're sort of reading the thoughts and they're producing whatever they happen to be th- talking about. So Alice, you know, so you see the rabbit and Alice, and you see, then Sulu was obviously thinking about a gun. And you see this. <laughs> This gun pop up from under a rock, and then a samurai, and then you know a knight in shining armor with a horse, and on and on and on. So, but sometimes they they take on these elements of like maybe something that's sort of unfulfilled or whatever, like a like something that's been in your mind that you feel like you never resolved. Because for Kirk, one of the one of the best parts of the show is the fact that Kirk's fantasy involves a a guy that he knew in school who picked on him, this bully guy. What was his name? Finnegan. It was not scary at all. Sorry. Uh, like... Another kind of an I- another Irish guy, right. you know, along with Riley. These Irishmen are just yeah. something else on they Star Trek. Yeah. the Irish. They're so plucky. Yeah. But he, you know, he's taunting Kirk, and you know, he appears over here. They, that's a, that's actually a really well directed sequence because you get the impression that he's not a quite a real person but that he's got some sort of strange alienness to him because he keeps popping up here and then he, then he's over there and then Kirk hears him laughing behind him and and it's surreal and it's like a fantasy but what it is it turns out that Kirk feels like he never really stood up to Finnegan I guess and always wanted to you know hit the guy in the face finally right <laughs> And also for Kirk, there's also this unresolved, uh, this lost love of his by the name of Ruth, who appears as beautiful woman, and she still looks gorgeous, uh, and so he obviously still has feelings for her. And so for for Kirk, it's a more immersive experience, more emotional experience. You can see that he's really buying it, you know, until he realizes all this other stuff is happening, and so he has to figure out what's going on. But for everybody else, it was sort of just weird stuff, you know. Yeah. Do you think there has been an episode yet so far that Kirk has not had a woman from his past confront him about something? (laughs) I feel like every episode has, like, hi, remember me from the party? Or, hi, remember me from high school? Hi. It's just like, what? <laughs> the hell? Ruth is, I mean, uh, Kirk is, you know, in the fast lane with that. He's on warp factor seven. My God, the man is busy. <laughs> yeah, he's always kissing ladies in space. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> ladies it, he knew from way back. Yeah. And new ladies also. <laughs> Well, you know, we also they... have uh, Bones here, who's also yeah. a main, you know, more of a main character here. He comes down, he comes down with Yeoman Barrow is the first time we've met her, mm-hmm. and there's obviously some sort of a, a, a attraction between those two. Obviously, yeah. He's leering at her. <laughs> it's kind of leery. I look at Bones. Put, on, put on the dress. <laughs> that smile doesn't help Bones at all. Right. <laughs> he's, he's, so he's, 
much better as a serious that. doctor, but he puts on that look. I'm like, Whoa, well, you know you what's know. funny about DeForest Kelly is that before Star Trek, he always played bad guys. I think I he's see why. and he was so good at it. When you see these old episodes of Gunsmoke and stuff, he was really good as a really sort of sketchy bad guy. And it's interesting that they cast him as a doctor because I think you know the good old kindly doctor in this. Because he's still got a little bit of that sketchy edge to him sometimes. It's just, I mean, it yeah. maybe just yeah. be the shape of his face or something. Well, especially, especially this episode. Yeah. I mean, he's just leering at the end. He comes out with those two, you know, like uh, girls from Rigel. Right. <laughs> like, oh, my God. You know. And they're all, both arms. He's like, hey, everyone. Yeah. Completely, like, completely out of his head that he had been totally gaming on this one woman the whole time. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, you. Anyway, here, look at these girls. It's yeah. Like, oh. I've got a couple of imaginary prostitutes. And I don't care that everyone knows. <laughs> I love Spock kind of over there, like, yeah. what? what the hell? <laughs> yeah, so at the, at the, you know, this goes on, and then there's this very long fight yeah. that rivals, you know, John Carpenter's They Live fight. I was like, this fight is going on forever <laughs> between Spock and uh, Finnegan and Finnegan, but a lot Kirk. of times it's Spock versus, I mean, sorry, Kirk, Kirk and Finnegan, but a lot of times it's Kirk versus Finnegan's double. Yeah. Or, Finnegan versus Kirk's double, but mostly Finnegan's double. You know, or I saw Finnegan's a lot of... double versus Kirk's double as well a few times. <laughs> exactly. yeah. And that was Vasquez Rock, wasn't yes. it? Was that... yeah. Oh, they fight all the way across the 14 freeway, man. They go from they, the 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 the, uh, the glade or the glen. What was it called? The glen was filmed. The the sort of lush area of it with the lake was filmed um, across, like right across the freeway from Vasquez Rocks at a place that used to be called um, Africa USA, which was a park that they had, um, you know, like African animals. And it was sort of like a Lion Country Safari kind of a place, I guess. It's, it's, I think it's part of the property now that's owned by um, Tippi Hedren's, is it Shambhala? Shambhala? Yeah, yeah, yeah she's Shambhala. up there in yeah. Acton, because that's Acton right up the 14, so it must, maybe it's part of the same property, yeah. Have you be. guys been to that park? I have Jimmy not. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize she was up there. I thought she was down in San Diego somewhere. Oh, it's but really cool. We went, went one time. I went once, but I didn't get to meet her, but you guys went she and was there. met her. She has like a house she stays at on that property, Yeah. and there's there was a cougar in the backyard. <laughs> it was weird. And so, yeah, she... Um, I don't know what that means. Cougar. <laughs> yeah. But there was going to, they, they eventually, it was kind of like, I don't know if it was like a private meeting, but we had a, there was supposed to be kind of like drinks with Tippy Hedron at the end of it. So you did the tour and they all gathered at this area and she was going to come out from her house and greet everyone. So we're, we're not sure, like, should we stay for it? And like, you know, so we sort of started walking back toward the car down this dirt road. And then here comes Tippy Hedron. And we're like, oh, Tippy Hedron. And then this big crow comes flying into the tree above her. And is like, Rah! she goes, they follow me everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. So she, she was very sweet, though. But she was very much into the big cast. She had lots of stories to tell. It was very, it's a really cool experience. Yeah, she's pretty cool. Because they, they do rescued cats. Yeah. Like, right. you know, it's not breed like the, or. Not like that Lion right. King show or anything. She was like, no. she's the real deal. Yeah, she, they had um, two tigers, I guess, that were Michael Jackson owned that were right. on his Neverland Ranch. And she said they were probably the most healthy, well-kept animals they had ever wow. rescued or received oh, anyone. That they were really, they said it was top-notch care for these animals. So That's good to hear. They were very impressed, yeah. So at least he did that right. Yeah. Well, and in this in this episode of Shore Leave, there's a tiger in it, you know, a yeah. tiger. Yeah. And... Uh, 
Um, so I wonder if that was like yeah, the, they it just was used that one of the tiger. Oh, that's pretty cool because you saw there was a definite collar on the tiger. Yeah, it had a chain around was the so neck. Funny. It's like look, it's a tiger. It's like yeah, yeah it's wearing a collar. But you know, you'd <laughs> you'd probably imagine dangerous. it. You know, if you imagined the tiger, you might imagine a chain around the neck. <laughs> Maybe. Well, it was also like when they when they were watched the uh, strafing the World War II plane come yes. in. There's a shot of a second plane right behind it. You yeah, know? there's a few places you can see another plane. <laughs> Yeah, so there was some of that stuff. A little stock but, footage. Uh, yeah, well, stock footage. Um, but I thought it was well done, the strafing with the fake bullets. It was, it was done fun. So yeah. I, they know, did I that. thought it was well. They did that well. thing, that Mission Impossible thing, where they're, where they're being strafed, and there's the, the line of da, 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 bullets on either side of them as they run yeah. down a, yeah. a dirt road or yeah. something that you've seen yeah. in a million TV shows. It's a yeah. it's a great effect, you know. They would put the um, they would put the explosive charges in the ground, and they would have them on this circuit where you could just basically run a nail down down a uh, block of wood that had a bunch of little contacts on it. And so you just as the people were running, you would run this nail down the the board and con- make the contact, and it would and it would blow up right beside them as they run at the same speed. That's, that's, mm. I always like that effect. I know yeah. it's cheesy, but it works for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you know, at the end, the the bottom line is at the end of this. You know, there's this this, this uh, elderly man comes out called the caretaker, and he sort of says, "Hey, you know, this is for your enjoyment. This is kind of like an amusement park." Or Spock says that. Yeah. And so it's here for your amusement. Sorry, we try, you know, confused you, got you upset, but this was all supposed to be for your comfort and your enjoyment. Um, I kind of wondered you know, when the guy came out. It was it was funny. I was watching it this time, and I was thinking he comes out, and it's basically like, "Yes, we've you know, we're we're here to provide." this service to you you know basically and i and i started thinking what is what do they get out of it is it is there going to come a time in this episode near the end where the guy's talking to kirk saying uh, yeah it was for your enjoyment and that'll be um 300 million dollars please <laughs> yeah how do they make money i yeah. guess there is no money in the yeah. future isn't that one of the conceits of it, it was, yeah it was like this There's is just no this is what this is what we do this is our service this yeah. is what we provide yeah like i liked it, the line no animals no people no worries i'm like that does not sound fun to me. I know. I mean, the no people sounds fun, but no animals. It's like to be in a place that's all nature and there's not one single bird. Yeah. No, like, you know, fish or frogs. or It's like, that does not sound fun. I don't know why yeah. they stressed that. It, it, because they, they did show a scene where somebody saw the geese flying over. And I don't know why. Was somebody imagining geese, you know? But it was. <laughs> what people imagined was a little bit off, I thought. Yeah. Like, it didn't well, it seem kind of antique? Because think of this is in the future, but they're thinking about, like, knights and and old handguns and things. I don't know. Uh, uh, Westerns? Yeah. Burke, you've mentioned this before. This is probably going to the old, you know, going to the costume department, the prop department. (laughs) Hey, we got something from uh, King Arthur. Okay, bring out the, you know, the dress. Like, Yeoman Barrows just love that Burrows. Barrows or Burrows? Barrows. Yeah. Um... Love that dress. I was like, that's so odd. Yeah, you know, like that she that she would want to put that on. <laughs> no peeking. Yeah. So <laughs> I like too where when Kirk sees his you know Ruth his old love. Yes. And he's like, it's been 15 years and you haven't aged. And I'm right. Like, Good thing because we know how he feels. Right. About these older women. Yes. As soon as you cross 24, it's all. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly you she handsome. she turns handsome. <laughs> <laughs> With a firm handshake. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> handsome woman. But he's he's funny. It's funny in this episode because I remember thinking this as a kid, and I think it now too. It's like he, she doesn't look that young. It would have been. I, I felt like it would have been. There was probably a lot of discussion about this. They wanted her to be someone from his distant past, and they wanted him to have that line. You haven't aged. In other words, you still look really young, even though I am now older. But Kirk is not all that old. He's you know he's in good shape. He looks really good in this. He's you know he's in his prime, and this woman looks like she is too. She looks like they could be a couple. You know what I mean? Totally. But then they yeah. probably went through the idea of saying, well, let's have her look like she's maybe 19 or something. Then and then they were like, mm, that would be a little bit weird. <laughs> so they had to probably come to a, an agreement somewhere in there because this this woman, I mean, she's pretty, but she doesn't look like a young little you know young girl like first love kind of a thing she looks like an adult you know like yeah. she would be somebody that kirk could could right. be married to you know well, with her styling because of you know it's 60 she looked like she was 45 right <laughs> i agree like i'm like well she looks older you know yeah. and, but i think it was because the hair was pulled back and the, there was like a lot of caked up makeup on her or something yeah it wasn't great and she had the kind um, of long you know older person kind of dress you know i guess you might say from those er- from that era she wasn't wearing a you know a star trek mini skirt by any means or one of those My revealing God, the skirts in this were so short yes <laughs> it's like they are barely wearing dresses they are literally like shirts that they're wearing but like, yeah what the hell? You, you would imagine when, uh, that Ruth would show like, up what? wearing one of those kind of, you know, one of those revealing space lady outfits, you know? But she, no, she's wearing a she's wearing a big old muumuu or something. Gown. And the way she walks, she kind of floated like the creepy nun in those Conjuring movies where right. she just sits down to him. <laughs> oh, I thought it was weird, too. Like, they had Don Juan in there for some reason because, you know, that's what women think of. Right. God. So he appears and he's, like, raping her, basically. Yeah. And then he bones like he she he rescues her and then he totally comes on to her after she's been traumatized by a man raping her. Yeah, her shirt's ripped. Oh, like, you know. hey, yeah. put on that dress. Yeah, just, put, on the, put on the dress. It was just uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, well you, ima- uh, you kind of feel like he's he's the one that's imagining the dress, right? And so when she puts it on, then he stops imagining the dress. And it just goes away. <laughs> 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 Hey, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back and talk more. We'll talk about uh, commendations, anomalies, and other assorted good things regarding shore leave right after this. Do you want to do a podcast? I think you should. They're fun, but parts of it are kind of a little bit more difficult or weird for people who are creative if you're doing a creative podcast. So that's why... We use Buzzsprout. They take care of all the things that are sort of the um, the business, yeah, the kind of business end of doing a podcast. You know, like keeping you listed on all the major podcasting platforms. Uh, they give you a website that you can link to people. You can get people to listen to you. They track your statistics and your analytics. Buzzsprout is a great thing to do if you want to do a podcast, and that's what we do here at Cinemondo. Highly recommended. And we're, okay, back. we're back. So, commendations. Commendations. Kathy, do you have something that really I, stood out as something like you really liked about this episode? Um, well, you know, I liked that we went a little lighter for a second. It was silly. I mean, I'm watching it thinking this seems really silly and dated, but it was kind of fun that way. I, I kind of enjoyed its weirdness, even though it felt like they didn't really use... Oh, this is more, I guess, of a... 
an anomaly, but I don't feel like they really pushed the concept as far as they could have if they wanted to. It felt a little like they rushed it. In fact, I heard like Roddenberry apparently was writing this under a tree while they shot it, so they ad-libbed a lot of stuff yes, in it. Yeah. So it sort of felt like that. Um, but I think, uh, I think overall, I kind of enjoyed how Spock was just sort of completely out of what this is supposed to be. Like he was like, "I don't get it. Why yeah. are we doing?" This makes no sense to me. Why do I need Shirley? And he, when he comes down and sees the the girls in their outfits, the show yeah. girls, he's kind of like, I'm not getting this. Like, I enjoyed that because you kind of felt the same way because we're kind of pulled back from it a little because it seems so antiquated that we're kind of reacting like Spock. Like, I don't. This doesn't look fun to me. Right. <laughs> right. But well, he uh, even makes I mean, that no statement about. Um, he said, you know, you this. I'm confused. When I think of rest, I think of no, no activity. And what you're talking about is going down there to have more activity or some line like that i can't remember his exact line but he's he's questioning these weird humans you know that you think of relaxation as being you know activities and then spock who's supposed to be so smart is describing the plant as where there's all these fascinating things it's like that's the best line you can come up with the spock is a bunch of fascinating things But, but overall, I mean, I, I don't know if I could pick out one particular thing. Um, I think the, the the Bones death scene was probably my favorite thing because it was like a little moment of like, whoa. And yeah. Then, you know, that was probably my favorite thing. Because it's it. light and funny, kind of but then all of a sudden, yeah, it's got a death in it, yeah. like a major character death. And it's like, you know, he's dead. A stupid death, but it yeah. died. Yeah. <laughs> getting, you know, <laughs> getting impaled by a, a joust. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, but it was fun. That was fun. For like, me, I, I liked um, the fact that you know most of it's outdoors. So I just like them being outside in a real place in Los Angeles near your house. <laughs> yeah, near my house. I know where that is. That's right by the uh, you know Lotta Burger. Yeah, um, the, the Tommy's <laughs> Burger. Um, but I um, I loved also. I think the direction. I like when there's a lot of running and there's a lot of running and yeah. there's a lot of dolly shots. You know, or, or shots where you know you know Kirk is really moving in this. Yeah. So uh, and run. Yeah. yeah, no, I thought that there's some good physical stuff. I think because they had an outdoor set, they actually had room to do stuff. They said, let's take advantage of this big field or these rocks and let's use it. So I felt that was very strong. You felt a good sense of this place. Like usually when they go to a planet, it's obviously a set-bound thing. You only see a small thing. Here you see a, you get a feel of where you are somewhat. Right. So I thought that was well done. And that was my favorite part of the movie. There's a lot of things I didn't like about it, but that's yeah. what I liked. Oh, and I also like the jingly music they played to sort of indicate. It almost sounded like wind chimes. Yeah. Sort of jingly, magical music that they kept playing. That was pretty neat. It's too. a subtle thing, but it gives it kind of a weirdness. I like that, too. That was a cool thing. My my uh, commendation is uh, similar to yours, is that it's just interesting to see a, an episode of the show take place outdoors, you know, in a real in a real location, and how seamlessly they connected the two different locations. You know that they had, you know, they had to shoot all the stuff in the grassy, lush uh, glen or glade. I think it was called the glade area, and then they would um, run a bit until the uh, the foliage would kind of fade a little bit and they would run and then fairly seamlessly they would then be on a different you know a whole right. total company move over across the street about a mile and a half away to Vasquez Rocks where they would film that you know the the deserty looking stuff so you get right. you get a feel like you were saying like there's planet is large you know you're you're and they're really running a distance and because a lot of times like you said when it's set bound you feel like 
when there's scenes of people who are supposed to be far away or something and they'll you know the actress will sort of overcompensate by standing up on a rock and waving and they're like hey hey you way over there and then you see the person across the sound stage <laughs> yeah and he's shouting yeah. back hey i'll be there in 2 hours when i when i hike over there <laughs> and they just they try to make the little set seem big you know but this right. one they didn't have to. There was plenty of room for running, and I liked the I liked the like you were saying the big you know, the vastness of the of the location. It was nice to see it. But you know, Vasquez Rocks makes an appearance in so many episodes of this show, and in so many westerns, and so many other shows. You're so familiar with that angled outcropping. You know, it's it's so iconic, and. Um, I mean, working in film and television as I do, I've actually worked on many things at Vasquez Rocks. And you don't even, when they hand out the, the call sheet, they don't even really have to put a map on there. <laughs> it's just like, okay, go to Vasquez Rocks like you have a thousand other times and um, park in the same parking lot and everything will be exactly like it was. But um, yeah, the vastness of it is something that I like because they were actually on locations and... The fact that everything seemed... A lot of times when you're on a real location, you feel kind of a limitation in the production value because you can kind of tell that they did, they had limited time there, limited resources. They didn't have all the sets and props and colors and lights and gels and whatever. But this one looks good. It still looks good, even though they're on location. That's my commendation. Very nice. That's a good about, one. That is yeah. a good one. It's, and it shows through in the episode. How about... Uh, on the other side, the flip side, Anomalies. Who wants to go first? You want me to take it? Yeah. Sure. I'll take it. Anomalies with this one are some, you know, like we talk about budgetary restrictions. And I was going to bring up that whole, you know, raiding the, the wardrobe uh, warehouse at, uh, at Paramount. You know, I've been in that wardrobe lockup a lot of times, the wardrobe. And you can see these old... They're still there. I mean, they still have these old Roman centurion costumes, just hundreds and hundreds of them, because they made so many. And you can find old policemen's outfits and, you know, every kind of costume you could want. They, it's already there. And a lot of times productions would say, well, what can, you know, we need to do an episode. And we'll see some more coming up in in the Star Trek uh in later episodes where obviously they found you know some stuff in the wardrobe locker and they said what can we do we need to write an episode around these costumes <laughs> yeah yeah but in this one that was a thing and one of my problems with this was the um the fact that the rabbit was an obvious costume which you kind of wonder i mean i don't know how they would have done it but I feel like they could have had a better costume for that, like a more... It would have been interesting to have a more realistic human-shaped rabbit rather than this sort of, you know, high school play uh, costume rabbit. But I think... I read some stuff about it, and I think they had to do it at the last minute, and I think everybody hated it. And it was one of those things where people were like, oh, we, I hate that, but we have to do it because we have nothing else, and we have the location for this day. And... This is what yeah. we have. And the reason I never watched this episode, the reason I didn't watch this episode too much at, ever was because when that, as soon as that rabbit came on when I was a kid, I turned it off. Yeah. 
It was such a turn. It was such a turnoff for me. Right. It was like, Ugh, this is like a cartoon. I mean, uh. just, well, not a cartoon. Just like just cheesy. It was just not like HR what Puffin I stuff or something. Maybe that's what. How maybe that's something that he was remembering. I mean, I don't know that they maybe, explained yeah. it, but oh, yeah. like, why would you think of that anyway in yeah. general? So, I feel like is that maybe a play he was remembering from his childhood, or maybe there was a cheesy rabbit in it, or I mean, I don't know, because everything seemed to come from people's heads. Right. Like maybe so he's remembering a TV series or something he saw as a kid or some. That's how you can explain it away. Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> he was remembering. Like, he was actually remembering yeah. this episode of Star Trek. <laughs> and that's why the <laughs> rabbit looked like that. It's all meta. Yeah. Very, very meta. How about you, Kathy? Oh, you know, I mean, they were playing it for laughs. And again, it's you have to either just forget about the period sexism and the the weird outdated modes of how people communicated and and the weird stuff like that to enjoy it and even though i tried to do that it was hard to see a woman getting raped sort of played by laughs for laughs and later just kind of brush it off and go for more exploitation on her it just felt it felt really especially her her clothes were all ripped i mean this wasn't just like Oh, he tried to grab her. Like it was, it was, it was violent. Yeah, it was violent. It was a violent so attack. So that weird that they just that was like, why would that be something you would want to survive in this fantasy world? Like it seemed like he was just giving you an adventure. It's like why? So that just seemed like sort of odd, even for the time. So yeah. I didn't really enjoy that, even though I tried to just go. It's just sort of one. That was hard for me to get past. Well, there was also a well, couple of things in there. You know, uh, crewman uh, Angela Martine, who we saw before getting married in that in uh, Balance of Terror, and then she loses her husband. Remember, yeah. this is the this is another episode with her, and she when the when the airplanes are strafing them and and firing at them, she gets shot and killed, and and then later with the jousting. Uh, the, the Black Knight or whatever he is kills McCoy with the with the lance, you know, lances him right through and uh, so there's an edge to this planet, it's not just a fantasy planet, like a fun fantasy with, you know, the like, you know, space ladies with fuzzy bras it's a, it's a, uh, there's danger here and that's part of, I guess what people like about it or something that there's there's actually like you can die here I guess like with a video game you know you die you can die and get raped who wouldn't enjoy that and time off and get raped yeah and then well, you're resurrected Angela Martin's, you know? Angela Martin's character I mean it was the last episode she lost her husband so you right. know here she is yeah. gaming. Uh, she's she's going after uh, you know uh, Rodriguez. Right. So. Oh, and I did so, love the massage scene. Oh, I was, that <laughs> yeah. was my thing. Right. I was going to <laughs> great scene where he, she's standing there, you know, and she's just lost her husband just mm. nearly hours ago on another episode. Right. And he's all like, "Oh, yeah, I could use a massage." And then he thinks it's Spock doing it, I guess, is, or yeah. is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't. That, that I think wasn't that was a Martina. different crew was, crew yeah, member. That was you. And Barrows, yeah, came, Sparrow, and Barrows right. Came but still, that was funny. Yeah, so uh, funny. But I thought she was a character that really got like the short stick on this episode. I, I mean, like she, all that stuff that I, th- I thought the episode was very sexist. To me, yeah. the most sexist I've seen on Star Trek, and that bothered me. Yeah, it bothered me that McCoy, the way she he acted towards her, like this beautiful woman who's just being a, you know, being a good crew member, trying to do everything, and she, he's just sort of acting like kind of a dick. Yeah, kind. You know, yeah. like it was weird. I was like, Wait, I don't. Weird. Yeah, so and she's another example, the actress that that played uh, Barrow. Um, 
she's Emily another, Banks. Emily Banks, yeah. She's another example of really great casting. She's a, she is one of those people that you look at and you're like, wow, she would have been a great regular cast member on the show. She was cool and really confident and smart and came across as sort of powerful, except for the stuff that they had her do in the story, you know? Yeah. But just as her, just the actress that's underneath the character, she seems like a, she had a, you know, gravitas. Yeah. She deserved better. Yeah. See, it's, it's interesting, these first, you know, 16 or so episodes, or 15, I think this is the 15th episode. Yeah. That, you know, there are so many great classic episodes here. And then there's a couple, in my, in my you know, in my personal opinion, a couple of clinkers that are really just interesting how they just kind of go down like the uh, conscious of the king the harry mud one and this one they're just i guess they're not the kind of star trek episodes i want to watch right. maybe i like the ones that are more sci-fi more based on military stuff or you know action adventure yeah that that's more my speed as opposed to these sort of uh one-off kind of like cuter or you know lower energy episodes yeah uh, which have a different vibe to them and maybe the characters get developed in a different way and that's probably a good thing but Spock wasn't in this very much I love Spock so it was just it was like I don't know it just felt there's a reason I never watched this one too much when I was a kid and I you know it was silly it was very silly it has that you know the limitations of being on a location where you're you know you don't have access to your stuff you know it's right. it's like i always remember when you know when we would shoot when i work on tv shows or whatever when we'd shoot on locations you're always when you're on stage on the stages you're home you know you know where everything is you've got the truck outside you've got your storage locker you got your cart on the set you got all your stuff if something breaks you know right where your super glue is you know <laughs> and you know where yeah. your butyl tape is and your gaffer's tape and whatever and your spray paints and your dulling spray and everything that you need is right there but then when you get out on location you try to bring everything you bring your carts and you bring your storage and you have your truck but your truck is like way the hell over there you know <laughs> and, and you're shooting yeah. here and so if anything happens you sort of have to just let it go a lot of times and and that's not just with my department it was always with every department like and you can always see that and you can always kind of feel it too a little bit like when there's a few little errors in this like people's clothing that gets torn is sometimes yeah, it's the reverse on. side yeah, yeah. sometimes it's arrows on, yeah. Was, she got ripped on the right shoulder then later is the left shoulder yeah <laughs> that's yeah. right oh yeah but it's yeah. a you know it's just a one of those things that when you shoot on location you give and take you know you get what you get is a cool looking location that looks like it's really somewhere the only downside another one of my anomalies with this is the fact that the that um with with their set bound things they really seem alien because they would put the sky would be purple or green or something and and the rock formations would look really kind of strangely shaped and they would have those weird plants that they would roll in you know but on this one it was clearly earth-like and i think they were making it um point of this being wow it's so much like earth it's so beautiful and but then you lose you kind of lose the coolness of being on an alien planet you know here you are in a place that looks so familiar especially if you live out here in california but for for me oh sorry no i was gonna say but for me and growing up in new england like i I said that's that must be california so in its own way it was kind of weirdly alien because i've never been to california to a desert so it was okay as a now living here yeah we know what that's about right you know what that's 
So, anyway. well, I'm wondering too. Like, here's this planet. It's supposed to be kind of like the shore leave planet. Like, you go down and you get to have this sort of fantasy, you know, excitement or whatever you want. Why does it have to look like Earth? Because isn't this like a, a sort of shore leave for anyone from anywhere, or does right. everyone's different because they are from Earth? Did the planet sort of conform to look like Earth, or does everyone get the Earth experience? <laughs> everyone's fantasy is Earth. <laughs> ask, <laughs> ask, uh, uh, ask, ask Teddy Steven then. <laughs> ask Ted Sturgeon. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I call him Ted. Everybody wants to be on Earth. But uh, well, I mean, it's a fun episode to watch, fun it episode to talk about. Yeah. And uh, shore leave. There it was. Fifteenth episode of uh, of season one of Star Trek. One Legends. other thing I have to point out. Remember, I'm I'm the guy that always you know you read you read so much about Star Trek, and everybody tries to point out problems like little gaffes, little mistakes that they spot in the show. And one mistake I keep seeing about this one is so many people aren't really paying attention because I see so many people saying that you know Martine gets killed in this, and then. And McCoy gets killed, and there's a scene at the end where you see McCoy comes back, but Martine never comes back. She's just gone. She's not. She's gone for the rest of the episode. But actually, when you watch it, there's a quick pan across. I mean, they don't make a big issue about her coming back, but she is there at the end. Hmm. She is in a shot at the end. So that's um, one yeah. little error that I keep hearing about that I'd like to debunk officially. Well, because we know nobody really got killed, so yeah. you know it's not even an error. But even at the end, as soon you know, the caretaker explains everything, and Kirk immediately bring everybody down. Who cares? You yeah, know, like, I don't care if everyone gets killed. It's fun. <laughs> They'll come it's back. Like, They'll oh, be wow, fine. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, there's that that whole thing about people saying that Martine just disappears after she gets killed and never comes back is a lie. She does come back. Terrible rumors. Fallacy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So that's that is shore leave. It's a it's not one of the better episodes. It's not one of the classics. I don't think. Even though some people really like this one, I was talking to another friend of mine about it, and he's like, "Yeah, I really like that episode. That's a cool one because it's, it, I guess, because it's kind of steps outside of the normal. Like you were talking about the set bound kind of shows. It's not a bottle show. It takes place almost entirely on this." You know, this beautiful, lush planet. And you see a lot of character, you know, you get to see camaraderie, and you see these characters kind of with their guard down a little bit, and that's kind of fun to see that kind of happening more, but, you know, other than that. And and Kirk running. Yeah, and and fighting like crazy with Finnegan. (laughs) With shirt all hanging off. He might as well just taking it off. Yeah. (laughs) That's the only one who got shy, didn't want to take his shirt off. Uh, so next week, what's uh, what's the next one? I think it's the Galileo one. Seven. That's a really good one. We we may have a special guest for that episode. Our our Ooh. buddy Mark Maddox likes that episode a whole lot, and he said, "Please, please let me be on that episode." It, it's cool. so it's so sad when Mark begs. It's like it's, <laughs> you just uh, have to see it. Yeah, it's like okay, okay. Let next time let's uh, capture him begging before yeah. we put him on. Okay. Yeah, I want to have him. That'll be the prologue. Please, please. We should have him go. Okay, tell us why, and you have to you have to convince all of us like we're a jury of why we should let you be on this right. show right now. <laughs> convince us. Yes. Well, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Cinemondo Explores Star Trek, episode Shore Leave. And we'll see you next time. We're yeah. sure we're going to leave. Yeah. We're... 
Oh my god. <laughs> you are fired. <laughs> I thought it was in, it, you know the perfect tone for the show, just sort of bad and clunky and not really fun. You you but, win the uh, you win the rabbit costume funny, that Kathy, was used in this funny. episode. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Thanks for joining us everyone. Cinemondo, uh, what is what does he say? Warping out. Warping out. <laughs>